y'all listen in as we talk about the dumpy level turning into a gradient measuring tool. In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. Brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. I'm Darcy. I'm Kyle. And we're going to talk about another ASQ case study. This one was written in June of 2009 and is actually out of Singapore. Okay. And it's about their housing and development board. Um, <clears throat> they uh, ensure that communities are fully accessible to the elderly and the disabled. They build active and cohesive communities so they have to make sure that everyone has access to this okay this of course means they have to provide ramps mm -hmm. which of course means they have to measure the gradient of the ramps okay to make sure they're accurate um in 2006 the hbd decided that the current process for measuring the gradient of the ramps was too time consuming it was inaccurate is expensive okay so more than 80% of Singapore's population lives in these HBD flats. Um, in September 2006, they got this company, Accessway V2 Innovation and Quality Circle. To, you need a shorter name there. They later call them Accessway V2, which is still, still. a mouthful. <laughs> um, so they enlisted them to help improve work process and to support the uh, mission and the vision. Okay. Um, so well, they, let's kind of let me chime in real quick here because you're talking about like a lot of the population lives in these very different type communities than what we have here in America. Here in America, mm -hmm. it is everyone's goal to have the single family home, right? Mm -hmm. Or even if we have an apartment complex, it's barely a step above people storage. When I studied architecture, <laughs> that's what my architect critics called it was people storage. It's really what it is. We're just trying to box people in to a space, but you know, that means that. Um, any recreation, any activities, any events you have, everything is somewhere else. Your apartment's mostly just for you to live in. These are very different type communities that really a lot of the rest of the world does. They try to build these um, very insulated type communities to where people can can live and interact and everything in the same area. It's also a lot more effective for land use. I mean, you think about how many yards we have here in America. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, I love a backyard. We want to move out into the country and get 20, 30 acres. I'm all for having land, but I also understand that for smaller, highly densely populated countries that aren't as economically, I don't know the best word, prosperous as the United States, like land's really expensive and you want to make the daggum best use of it. So this is a very different way of living and building. So I skipped over it, but um, the article does say its mission is to provide affordable homes of quality and value create vibrant and sustainable towns and promote the building of active and cohesive communities right so. which very different from american suburbs yes <laughs> <laughs> um so access way v2 used the lotus blossom technique do you know what that is i do not okay um it talks a little bit 
it just calls for the team to identify potential solutions for each problem. So first we identify all the problems. Okay. Then we identify solutions for each of the problem and whichever one of the solutions mm -hmm. seemed the easiest right. will do that. Makes sense. Um, so they wanted to reduce time spent retrieving information for drawings, reduce uh, work processes for change of use requests, reduce time spent assessing barrier-free accessibility ramp gradients, and reduce work processes for installation of dry risers. Those are just some things they listed. They decided that a proper tool to check the gradient would be easiest to solve and solve the most problems. Eh, makes sense. Okay. Getting the most bang for the least buck. And in addition, Singapore's in 2006, when they're doing all this, Singapore's Ministry of National Development said the entire island has to be fully barrier-free accessible by 2011. Oh, wow. So that included 8,000 HBD residential blocks. Holy crap. So I don't know if each block has a ramp, and that yeah. means it's 8,000 ramps. They oh, have to make sure. probably way more than that. And then, I mean, think about like when you um, go on the street, how many times do we walk off a curb into the street? Mm -hmm. And oh, my gosh. And then even the tiniest little bumps get in the way of, oh. Well, right now, our little city we live in, they're redoing all the sidewalks. And I don't think it's because the city decided. I think state, maybe Tex Dot or whoever's in control came in and said, hey, these aren't. I, I know I, social media is a wealth of maybe accurate or inaccurate knowledge. <laughs> so, I'll go with the latter, but you know. At some point, there was money raised to put these bricks in, like, you know, and you could have your name engraved oh, on the sure, brick sure. as a donation that formed the sidewalks. Gotcha. And somebody, I think it was TechStock, came in and said, no, these are not wheelchair friendly. They're not. And of course, they're settling unevenly. So, right. sidewalks are getting redone in our little city. Oh, okay. Um, so, in September of 2006, the instrument that was then used to assess ramp, gra ramp gradients was the dumpy level or the leveling <laughs> instrument. <laughs> it cost at that time $10,000 per year to operate, mm -hmm. weighed 88 pounds, Ooh. and required a two-person operating team. Also, it had to be reset every time it was moved to a new location. Oh, fun. So that's a lot of, uh, a lot of cost time. there. <clears throat> now, when you get into, uh, this is similar, but it applies a lot in uh, machine shops. So if you're in a machine shop and you want to be able to estimate how much time you have to do this, um, it, it applies as well. Well, shops are other service facilities, but machine shops is the easiest example. So you want to know your capacity. How much of this work can we run on a monthly basis? So you've got to calculate two things primarily is what is your setup time? How much time does it take to set up to do this job? Do we have to reset up for the next batch of parts? And then you want to know your cycle time. How long does it take for each part we run? So it's the same processes. Well, they, they, um, that's up next. Oh, okay. So <laughs> the process took on average nine and a half minutes per reading and they had to do a minimum of two readings per ramp. Oh, yeah. Minimum. Um, that adds up to an average of 3,830 ramps and 1,027 worker hours annually. Ooh. That's a lot of people. A lot of resources. Because it talks about how many hours per day and how many. So they could only assess 16 ramps per day because it took so long. So right. that means annually they can only assess 3,800 ramps which if they have 8,000 
that's yeah or more yeah you're talking they're, about they're not even doing half of their ramps annually well and that's assuming there's only one per area and there's exactly. probably more exactly so they might be getting 10 percent a year at best so they set their goals to reduce the assessment time of the ramp gradients by 57 percent okay which obviously increased productivity <clears throat> and then to achieve the correct ramp gradient because remember it's not even accurate all this time they're spending right so they wanted to get um Ramp, correct ramp gradient 100% of the time, which, of course, would include the quality of the or improve the quality of the ramps. Right. Um, they developed your favorite, a process map <laughs> to identify um, stakeholders and when to invite, involve them in key phases of the project. They conducted brainstorm sessions, discussions, surveys, interviews. I only include that because I know how much you love when people do it the right yes. way and include yes. all involved party. It takes more time up front, but dadgummit, you never know who has a good idea that y you don't know about. You know, we did something real similar here <clears throat> recently. You know, we've been swamped with consultation work um, recently, and we found that it's taken longer to get this stuff done than it should have. And especially when we've got multiple projects going on more mm -hmm. than we've had before. I mean, we're all scratching trying to figure out how to keep these timelines straight. And so that's what we did. We took a day to get everyone in the office and say, what's every single problem we've run into? And my goal was to stay shut up the first half of the day and just let folks talk about every problem they possibly well, and had. And then like in this situation, they can't, you know, analyze all the ramps. Yeah. We couldn't, we can't service more clients if we're taking too much time yep. on one and not i mean we want to take the right amount of time not to say we don't want to you know we yeah. want to provide you the service we're able but also in a timely manner it's not yeah. fair to the client it's not fair to us nope so then they use their work process map <laughs> to determine the potential impact of the project goals on each stakeholder group well, you know, for folks that might be new joining into the podcast, because we've got a lot of listeners maybe curious why we're laughing so much now. <laughs> Kyle loves process maps. Yes. Process map is probably one of my favorite words. And you get a process flow diagram on top of that, and we're just having a darn <gasps> they good day. They used a flow diagram <laughs> to analyze. I didn't even have that part highlighted. It was just right here in front of me to analyze the current methods work steps. And they led to two conclusions. The dumpy level, and I'm guessing that's the official title of it because that's what they keep calling it. <laughs> the dumpy level might not be appropriate for making quick assessments. Okay. And operators might not be well versed to overcome the dumpy level's complexity. <laughs> I got to find I out just, this is like, where's this name come from? I've never heard I it before. And I wonder how complex can a dumpy level be? <laughs> I, I get it. I, it's kind of a joke. Okay. I'm making fun of the name more okay. than the tool. Because <laughs> okay. levels, they well, we've had this with clients before as well. They're going through their uh, certification audit, internal audit, and inevitably auditor sees a level. They're using a level. And we ask, you know, is level certified? And you get the most dumb looks from someone's like, how do you certify a level? I just, I wonder if this is what like the operators called it. Like as a nickname, or yeah. if this is what the author of the case study is calling well, it, anyone or listening, if this is the official name of it. If you know anything about a dumpy level, let us know. Hopefully you don't, because obviously it was not a great tool. <laughs> but no, you really, I mean, levels can get really stinking detailed, and you can have uh, uh, very accurate measurements with them, and there's spot check procedures. There's a whole world about levels out there. Mm. Fascinating. It is. It <clears throat> is very fascinating. So nine possible solutions were identified 
Then the team went back to their <coughs> Lotus Blossom diagram to organize them. Stakeholders again provide feedback about the solutions. Um, they conducted an analysis of advantages and disadvantages. And so then they narrowed the list of solutions from nine to five. Okay. Then they looked at existing processes, did some product research, um, and used their key criterion to try to decide what are we going to do here. Sure. Um, they decided that making a specialized instrument was the preferred solution because it would best meet the reverse work procedures. Interesting. So then they developed the gradient measuring tool. Okay. Or the GMT. GMT. All right. Mm-hmm. So it went through several field tests, involved stakeholders. So they did a whole verification, validation on this. They awesome. have work procedures. Which is a necessary output of a design process. And the new work procedures eliminated four steps. Awesome. And reduced the time spent from nine and a half minutes mm -hmm. to one minute. Whew, that's huge. Mm -hmm. That's huge. That is really big. I mean, it sounds like, oh, this is just eight minutes, but eight minutes applied 20,000 times. Well, and it's eight minutes times a minimum of two times oh, yeah. per rant. Mm -hmm. um, so then the team, again, organized meetings, product seminars, demonstrations, make sure all the stakeholders know about the new instrument. They conduct surveys and discussions and interviews and feedback forums and trial runs. Well, I mean, think about all the people involved in these construction projects. Just think about the, the last street you've seen being worked on. How many different people are out there? And the fact is that these crews oftentimes come from various different private companies. It's not like your city employs a construction company. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, think about how many people are involved, how many of those people are only involved for a short period of time. And then what if you move from the county line to the city line to a neighborhood with an HOA? Every single time you cross those lines, that's another set of stakeholders. Someone else you got to get involved. Different rules and regulations, different things that have to get communicated. Like, there's no shortage of complexities that we just gloss over in our daily lives. Exactly. And that's why, like, I knew it would be kind of boring to read, like, and then they got the stakeholders again, and they provided this. Yeah. and they. But I know how excited you get when people <laughs> do it the right way. <laughs> I mean, it really, it, it is. There's, it, oh gosh, we we just gloss over so much complexity in our, our world. It just is dumbfounding. Well, and I'm assuming that they included the operators as, as stakeholders because mm -hmm. it says yeah. they included them in the, um, to identify areas of concern, which I think is huge because I don't think the actual people doing the work are involved enough in the solution. I totally agree. Um, well, let me, so you say stakeholders here. So these, this is one of those terms that sometimes has different meanings in different interested contexts. Interested parties. Yes. That is the current term today is interested parties from the 9,000. And I feel more. like most people should be familiar with that because even before I was forced into quality management <laughs> by you, <laughs> I was a teacher. We've talked about it several times. And even as a teacher, stakeholders was a term that was used. Yep. And we knew, Emmett, you know, parents, mm -hmm. students, community members, business owners, like mm -hmm. we knew that. So um, it's just hard to really keep going and include all stakeholders. It's tough. And you can't include them at every phase, but like what they did, let's get folks together up front. Let's collect as much information, as many ideas as we can. I just mean even to think about. Yeah to include them like do we leave somebody out mm, good kind point. of a thing 
you Good know. Good point. Um, so after the initial introduction of the GMT, uh, they held more meetings and discussions, mm-hmm. established a product hotline, provided coaching during ramp assessments and one-on-one sessions, and held more feedback forums. Wow. I mean, this isn't all that different from, uh, like, deploying a, a software. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the things that we do is we encourage, like, we need a local champion that everyone can kind of go to for quick questions. We have to make certain that there's an easy way for them to click a link to get support, a phone call they can call, access to training videos, resources. I say this over and over, quality is quality. We just change out some of the variables, but it's the same process. Mm-hmm. You can only skin a cat so many ways. Right. So they assessed the performance of the GMT, and they found that the new instrument far exceeded its goals. Um, They had an overall time reduction of 89.5%. Oh, wow. The correct ramp gradient 100% of the time. Awesome. Actual avoidance savings of 1,256 worker hours annually. That's a lot. Um, total annual equipment savings of thirteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars, savings of almost twenty thousand dollars for town councils and contractors, mm-hmm. and a weight reduction of the instrument by seventy-four pounds. That's a lot. Which means this new tool weighed fourteen pounds. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It was so successful as a measuring instrument that its use was expanded far beyond its original purpose. Um, It was modified and was used in other government agencies to measure (laughs) other gradients by, like, the Land and Transport Authority. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, They measured the gradient of pedestrian overhead bridge crossings. The National Parks Board, who measured gradient of beachfront for erosion control. Mm -hmm. Very important. Singapore Land Authority, measuring the gradient of slopes for erosion control. And golf course manage, managers yep. measuring the gradient of the greens. So not only did they yeah. very effectively solve their own problem, <coughs> they were then able to modify it to use for other purposes. No, that's that's awesome. You talk about gradients. Like, this is one thing that surprises folks sometimes, and I was surprised the first time I heard it, is you go out to these, uh, like, West Texas ranches where there's hardly any rain at all. I mean, guys out there get their ranches laser-leveled. I yes. mean, because there's so little rain, you can't afford any unnecessary runoff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, okay, fine. We want it to be level or a certain gradient, but like, eh, it impacts a lot of the world. Yeah. It's just amazing how such little tiny things can have such a huge impact. Mm-hmm. So. so, I thought that was cool. You know, I always like it when they throw in the definitive yep. numbers yep. to to show how much it improves. So, I thought that was cool. No, I uh, I completely agree. So, this is fun. This is a fun little story. All right. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Kyle with Texas Quality Assurance. Thank you again so much for checking out the Quality Matters podcast. We absolutely love putting this out and love the feedback we get from you guys. So please take a moment to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes or drop us a line on LinkedIn. We absolutely love hearing from you every chance we get.